to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watched Scroogerello from 1987, which is improbably the DuckTales Cinderella with Scrooge McDuck as Scroogerello. I don't know what more needs to be said. Like, we can end the episode right here. I, I feel like we can and we should. I, I regret putting this on the list. I regret putting this on the schedule. I regret having us watch it. I regret watching it. I regret reading the synopsis. I couldn't even finish the synopsis. Dear yeah. listeners, Liv, knowing how weird this was going to be, sent me the synopsis ahead of time, which never happens. And I got through half of it twice and quit both times. Normally when we watch a short, we watch it twice, once with one another, just to have a reaction, just to enjoy the shared experience of mutual suffering. And then we watch it again privately so we can pause it and take notes because the short ones are usually packed with insanity. And we collectively agreed that that was not going to happen this time. Once was enough. Once was more than enough. Once was too much. Neither of us have that much sanity to spare. Neither of us have ever had that much sanity to spare. So here we go. Let's dive in. Talon, what is our framing device for this monstrosity? This is the 47th episode of season one of DuckTales, and it starts off with the DuckTales intro, which is like a banger of an intro. So... I did start out on a very positive noise going like DuckTales, woo! I've never watched DuckTales before in my life. I am culturally familiar with the concept of Scrooge McDuck, but I have never watched a DuckTales. So I'm aware that this opening is considered iconic and super catchy, massive earworm, and I'm not picking up on it, y'all. So I don't, I'm tapping out for this one. I did not find the intro super entertaining it was fine it was an okay intro I guess I don't see why that song is so catchy so I have also never watched a DuckTales or at least not that I recall and definitely not in English so uh we start with a fancy house and there's a copious amount of sneezing coming from within and then we get Scrooge McDuck and he's laying in bed and he's clearly very sick and most disturbingly of all he's Scottish Did you know that he would be Scottish? I did not. I did not know that he would be Scottish. I was not prepared for him to be Scottish. No one's very Scottish. I mean, not no one else, but the, the, the nibblings are not Scottish and the servants are not Scottish. Nibblings is the, for anybody who doesn't know, is the just gender neutral term for spawn. Like nieces and nephews collectively are nibblings and it's one of my favorite words. So they're the three nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And there's a little tiny niece who's very cute, and her name is Webby, I believe. We're saying this because we don't know this. If you feel like we're insulting your intelligence, we're not. We're checking in with each other. We are. We are. Scrooge McDuck is sick with a fever. He denies this emphatically. One of the triplet ducks breaks an egg on his forehead and it cooks. He then says that he just needs a wee nap and some cold cash and that he's going to go sleep in his money bin. 
yeah, a wee nap on some cool cash because he sleeps in a pile of gold coins. I no, love no. the idea of using that as like a home cure for a cold. You just have to sleep on some money. This almost sounds like something one of my grandmothers would tell me. Like we're I, so close. Yeah, you know, cut a little bit of your hair off and put some mustard on your feet. That sounds terrible. Is that a thing? Oh yeah, no, you do cold compress, uh, mustard, they're called the mustard plasters that you put on your feet and it was meant to draw out toxins. And then you'd cut part of your hair because people thought that hair let out toxins as well. The old days. It was a wild time. <laughs> so the triplets keep Scrooge McDuck from walking out a window in his delirium fever, but he is real touchy about it. He does not want to go to bed. He does not think that he's sick. He does not want to admit to being sick. He's sick of hearing that he's sick. Yes. Which I just got to say, if anybody has ever dealt with a dude having a man cold, I found this part believable. <laughs> so... Scrooge McDuck basically gets strapped in bed. They're holding him down with corners of his coverlet and forcibly taking his temperature. Yes. To prove that he has a fever. This is nursey female duck. And then British Stephen Fry as a dog tries to give him cod's liver oil. And He's got a butler. Yeah. It, it's basically just Stephen Fry gives him cod's liver oil and Scrooge McDuck knocks it back onto the dog's face and he yells about being stuck with meddling servants and then he tells them it's all their fault that he's sick in the first place which is like an A plus sick behavior when you start accusing other people uh, for having your cold and then the small girl niece Webby comes in she's made him soup And then she drops it all in his lap. And to his credit, he uh, keeps his scream of pain inside and goes, aren't you sweet? And she promises to make him another bowl of soup. But first, she'll read him a fairy tale. And he says, gag me with a tongue depressor, which was surprisingly valley girl of him. There were a lot of strangely good one-liners just thrown into this, just hit and run one-liners. So the story starts out, you know, there was a wicked step family and a beautiful girl named Cinderella and she had to scrub the walkway and every day it was Cinderella, Cinderella, Cinderella. And as she's saying Cinderella, he drifts off to sleep despite pretending that he hates this and it transmutates into Scroogerello, Scroogerello, Scroogerello. And then we see some dog type characters that are his wicked stepbrothers. And they have names. They are called the Beagles. I forgot about this until the very last second of notes. And I just have them in my notes as pig dogs. They look like bulldogs, if anything, but they are clearly just someone animated a pig and halfway through forgot they were animating a pig and started to animate a dog. Okay. All of them are like this. Okay, their names are Big Time, Burger, and Bebop. Is Bebop the uh, the jazzy one? The one who says Bebop all the time? Yes. Yeah, okay. One of them is is extra. Just extra. One of them is extra. And I guess we'll that's so Bebop. Write, we'll so right in this moment, one of them who's like in a white John Travolta type outfit goes, Bebop, Beboo, shine my shoes so I can dance. Yeah, that will continue. That is basically how he speaks. 
So the beagles tell him to shine their shoes so they can dance and they throw uh, about 37 pairs of shoes onto him from the 17th balcony window and then also throw a pile of garbage onto him and tell him to clean up the walkway because it's a mess. At which point his evil stepfather shows up who is also Scottish. More Scottish. More Scottish. And he rolls in with curse me kilts, which I loved. Flinthard Glomgold is the character, if that means anything to anybody. So the stepfather gives Scrooge more instructions. And we got a bizarre moment where Scrooge agrees to do as he is told with yes wicked stepfather which i liked i thought that was funny to just refer to them out loud as wicked yes evil stepmother i i thought that was real sassy i uh, enjoyed that so much and then we get the retort from his stepfather that nothing is worse than a lazy step servant which is also hilarious which is also hilarious the I, I hesitate to use the word premise. We find out that what's going to happen is that the stepfather would like to get all of the boys to go to the pick a prince party that is being held that night by Princess Goldie and distract her so that he, the stepfather, can rob her. That's, that's the plan. Scrooge has been listening at the again 17th story tower window but he falls out of the tower and he falls into a wheelbarrow that is held by the brothers who are literally just talking in the room where he was and he comments on this saying you boys are sure fast or something like that which i enjoy that they acknowledge that those guys are faster than gravity yeah, I don't usually love when cartoons comment on something improbable, but it's usually because it's a dumb plot point, not because it was a visual gag. Um, so I liked it. Yeah, I was fine with this. They throw Scrooge into a cellar, a dungeon, something, and they slam about eight doors on him just in a row. They're, they're stacked on top of one another. Which I liked. Mm-hmm. So in the cellar, Scroogerello runs into the nephews who are also scrubbing a pile of shoes because they were selling whatever their version of the Boy Scout cookies are. I think the Woodchuck something cookies. And they gave Burger heartburn. And one of the nephews kind of shrugs and goes, they look yummy to me and throws a cookie on the floor and it cracks the floor. And now we're spending our formative years shining Bebop's dancing shoes wish that was a good line yeah it was um that was fine they then see the manservant sitting in the corner of the cellar and he looks even more raggedy than the three ducklings the the triplets and we find out that he was the boyhood servant of the burger brothers and he like gave them cod liver oil for a cold and they banished him to prison where he's been for like a decade. And Scrooge basically looks at the camera and goes, why do I suddenly feel guilty? So the wicked stepbrothers say that they have to roll over to Princess Goldie's before all the eats are gone. 
and Scrooge watches this happen. I don't want to call him Scroogerello. I really, really don't. I, I don't think we have to. This is Scrooge McDuck in a dream sequence where he is playing Scroogerello. I think we can safely call him Scrooge. Oh, thank goodness. So Scrooge is looking out like a barred window at the wicked stepbrothers riding away. And he very selflessly says, I don't care about myself. I only want to save the princess. So the fairy godmother arrives because his wish was so kind and generous. Yes. And she's played by the previous maid who was trying to nurse him into good health. And the little niece, Webby, is there too. And she's his fairy godchild in training. And they go to set him free by turning all the shoes kind of alive and having them all kick down the door. So Webby gets the shoes to kick down the door by waving her wand and saying, dancing shoes, disco down the door, which I liked. (laughs) I didn't like a lot of the stuff that Webby did because it was very contrived and it felt very forced cutesy. I didn't like it, but that was pretty funny. Oh, I hated that line. I enjoyed that it happened, but it was a terrible line. That's fine. We can disagree about this. So the fairy godmother announces that she's a professional fairy and that she can't let Scrooge go into the castle dressed as he is. He's wearing rags. And she gives him a magic gold top hat that will make him go from rags to riches. And he puts it on and he's wearing a solid gold outfit which I really enjoyed as like the alternative to like the Cinderella fantasy. Like what would a boy want to be like very frivolous and- Just a gold waistcoat. I liked it. Yeah. We'll we'll get to it later, but I love the magic abilities of the hat. (laughs) So Webby says that it's her turn to help and she creates a carriage for Scrooge. Liv, do you want to tell them how the carriage comes to be? It's made out of cookies. (laughs) She makes the carriage out of cookies and turns into a car with cookie wheels, but also a cookie partial body, but not the whole body, just some of it. It's a big, old-fashioned, long, old-timey car, but it's just made out of cookies. I read the synopsis. I knew that there were going to be cookie cars. I knew that that was going to happen. And yet, as I watched it, my eyes could not process. This was the first, but by no means the last time that I either thought to myself or wrote it in the chat, I know I read that this was going to happen, but I can't process this at all. To be clear, it's not that some cookies turn into a car. It's that some cookies form the shape of a car, but are still very visibly cookies, yes. which is what I didn't get when I was reading the synopsis. I also did not get that. The, the box that the cookies are in gets made into some of the body of the car, yes. but not, not all of it, not all the metal parts, just like the hood. I was prepared for cookie tires and a cookie steering wheel. I'm making steering wheel motions with my hands, guys. You can't see me, but I am. I was not prepared for cookie bodied car it was a lot you know what i wish i wish that they had crashed the car into a lake of milk 
I think that would have been funnier than what happened and it would have made me personally happy and now I want chocolate chips I'm and with you chips. on all of that and, and cookies not just chocolate chips I don't just I mean I do just eat chocolate chips but chocolate chip cookies is what I meant all right so the cookie car we've discussed it so now we're at the ball we sure are we see Goldie our princess dancing with someone in a room that is completely empty there will be other people later but right now it's just her and this one bird fellow they're not all ducks there are other types of birds but no penguins which i was a little sad about i can't describe goldie i know that it is my job to describe what they're wearing i can't because this is a duck version of may west and she has golden ringlety hair and she's wearing a blue dress with a bow of some kind and i can't give you any other description because this is a ducktales movie and my brain is rapidly running out of processing power so she looks like a duck but wearing clothes and she sounds like may west process that as you will we have to move forwards it's scourge mcduck in a blonde wig like but she's again a duck doing a may west impersonation yes of course and it's it's a good may west impersonation i enjoyed it more than i should have so her dance partner is telling her about himself and he goes and that's when i said to myself reggie it's time to get out of real estate and she sighs and she starts yawning she's having a real bad time with him Mm -hmm. but the beagles show up our our stepbrothers and they trip her dance partner so that they can cut in and dance with her begin again talking about something completely inane she's not pleased the rest of the brothers laugh menacingly we get ride of the valkyrie playing in the background and they walk around smooshing all the other guests faces into food or throwing them into fountains or out of windows is that what happened with to you as well did you also so they trip the person she's dancing with mm-hmm. but somebody else cuts in it's not one of them oh it's not one of them it's not it's one of them it's dog? some boring guy and he's talking about plastics it's a different pig dog it was a pig dog which is why i was confused okay that yes. makes more sense and then the dancey one the dancey wicked stepbrother goes bebop boo. there's too many geeks around here which is the correct assessment of the situation. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. He's, he's not wrong. And then, yes, they go around and they get rid of their competition. Okay, um, I, I didn't hallucinate that part then. No, the one that likes food, grabs food for himself, shoves it in his mouth, and then takes a random guy and shoves his face into a bowl of something. And he goes, one for you, one for me. And he goes down the line like that. I just assumed that I had made a mistake in my notes and you would correct me with, no, that's not what happened, but evidently that's what happened. We also find that the king who is King Gyro, which having read this in a synopsis, I assumed that this was King Hero, and then I wanted to go out for Greek food. <laughs> so the result of this movie is that I'm really hungry, <laughs> but not for You're the food that I You're making me hungry. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. Everybody should go have a hero. They're delicious. So, but her father, King Gyro, has made an automatic bouquet thrower for her wedding. And she responds that there needs to be a prince first. 
I just hope I find me a man to go with it. Yep. So the groovy beagle, Bebop, Bebop. starts to dance with her badly. But just then, Goldie says, Who is this gorgeous hunk of a duck? Yeah. Um, and her eyes go all hearts and fly out of her head, and we pan to Scrooge, who is standing in his gold waistcoat and no pants, just pantsless. He's a duck. They go pantsless. It's normal. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to think about it too hard. And his eyes also turn into hearts, and then they fly up into the clouds, and suddenly we're back in the wispy Russian Cinderella, where they're just flying through the clouds together with hearts in their eyes. I appreciated that. We've had so many Cinderella's where they meet and fall in love at first sight, and we can barely tell. I know. I like, I like that they visually told us that these two are having a very special moment together. I really appreciated it. I was not prepared for it, is what happened. I, I liked it. I was happy that they floated off into a sky full of hearts and clouds, because as a viewer, I really understood what was going on, which was kind of a rarity in this 20 minute thing that just happened to us like any good relationship communication is key yes and i really feel like visual communication broke down it did it did so princess goldie says to him how about you and me cutting your rug handsome and the wicked stepbrothers say that golden stranger is going to ruin everything which i loved i loved it felt like an anime where they respond to somebody by immediately deciding they're their arch enemy and giving them like a villain or superhero name. Yeah. So Goldie goes to introduce Scrooge to her father and she realizes she doesn't know his name. So she goes, Mr. 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 Wright. And that's what she proceeds to call him for the rest of this episode. It, it's kind of cute. It's a little cute. But just then, our evil stepfather chimes in Scottishly with, if we can't rob her, we'll ransom the daughter. And uh, they have a carriage now in this tower ball. Yes. And they... That no uh, one's noticed. No one's noticed. Um, and they're in it now, and they carriage past her and kidnap Goldie. With, like, a bag over her head. Yep. So they drive off in the night in this carriage and it's kind of a beautiful scene because they're driving down this curving road away from the castle and it's dark and there's all these fireflies and it's like moonlit. And I was like shocked by how beautiful this carriage ransom chase scene was. I also really enjoyed the scene for entirely different reasons. Goldie is inside the carriage with the three beagles as the stepfather is driving the role of the coachman uh and she is just haranguing these three men just don't eat with your mouth full in front of a lady stop that racket you talentless tarantula and she's just hitting them and insulting them it was amazing she wasn't necessarily trying to escape that I she can was really... just being unpleasant to her kidnappers. She's doing that thing. It's a, it's a high fantasy trope where someone kidnaps you, but you're so obnoxious that they give you back. <laughs> she was doing that and she was doing it extremely effectively. So I really enjoyed that scene. 
I thought that she was very much taking ownership of her own story and her own situation. And I appreciated it. Now we have a chase scene. Yep. And it's the carriage with the Wicked Stepbrothers. And it's the cookie car driven by three child ducklings with Scrooge in the car. And the Wicked Step family is going to try and run them off the road, which I'm not sure how they're doing since they're in front, but that's okay. Oh, oh, they're going to do it by throwing trash at them and getting them to, to steer off the road. Oh, excellent. Okay. That's what happens. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So then the ducklings start flinging bits of cookie at the other car with slingshots. And the cookie knocks out one of the evil stepbrothers and he just full on passes out. And then the Bebop brother goes without even a glass of milk to go with the cookie that got him. Which is a very similar sentiment to what, Liv, you were saying earlier. I think there was a distinct lack of milk in this. I think there should have been more milk in this DuckTales Cinderella. I think that's what we lacked. They then yell, you'll pay for this, you golden ghoul. Again, I love that they keep giving him names. And yeah. they're all phenomenal. But now... The clock chimes midnight. And Talon, can you can you describe what happens as the bell tolls 12? The car melts into cookie dough and it's animated very like gooey. Mm-hmm. And they kind of all fall down onto the road. And Webby explains that her magic doesn't last past midnight because it's way past her bedtime. And I hated the delivery of that line because it was so on the nose and like nobody asked her yet. But Scrooge, um, regardless of setbacks, has decided uh, that he is going to continue to his search and he promises that he'll find Goldie who has helpfully left behind a trail of sequins. One of the Duckling brothers notes that it's the middle of the night and she has a lot of sequins. So this could go on forever. They also note that this path is leading them into a dark wood. And then Webby returns. Even though it's still way past her bedtime. If it was past her bedtime before, why is it not still past her bedtime? I got real hung up about bedtimes for a couple of sentences, guys. Anyways, it is now morning. So I guess they've been searching all night following this trail of sequins. And they get through the dark wood and they show up at a a boss level in mario kart they show up at this weird tower just full of extra towers it's just a tower made of towers all stuck together and there is a large maze garden with topiaries in front of it and they know that this is the right one because there's something hanging out the window and it's goldie's silk stockings and they're waving hello yeah, I cannot process that. So then they meet Prince Lilypad McQuack. Okay, but they don't just meet him, though. He Tarzan swings into the scene and lands in a pond. He's a duck that has been turned into a frog. And Talon, I, I gotta know, how far did you get in the synopsis before you gave out? Was it here? I gave out before the prince showed up. Before the prince. The handsome frogman that shows up onto the scene, he is proportionally bigger than the ducks. He is a giant frogman. He's played by Launchpad, the pilot guy, but he looks like a frog. He kindly explains that he is a frog, 
because a witch hexed him after he knocked into her with his shopping cart in the supermarket. And then the wicked Beagle Brothers showed up at his castle last night and he kindly opened the door to them and they threw him out like an animal. And he's not an animal, he's an amphibian. Mm-hmm. So they make a deal that if he helps them through the maze, they'll help him get back the castle. And he's like, absolutely, I have a map. It describes how to get to the castle. It's in the castle. He explains this to them when they're, when they're already partway through inside the maze and he's gotten them lost. But Webby decides that she is going to try to use her magic because I guess it's tomorrow and it's reset now. And she gets the garden to rearrange itself. So flowers come to life, topiary animals come to life and walk away. That was Basically, such a cool scene. I it was that. that was a really cool scene. That was cool. I was not the wiki just says the garden rearranges itself. They did not say animal elephant topiary get up and leave. There's also this giant plant. We're not really sure what it is. It looks like a giant pair of lips or maybe a snapdragon or something. If anybody looks has like a snapdragon got Botox. Yeah. Botox giant or snapdragon. Lip filler. Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors is that. So the evil stepfather sees this and orders the beagles to lock the royal banshee in the dungeon, which I loved. I now have a new aspiration. I would like to be a royal banshee. That was beautiful. And he throws down a flaming torch, at which point I stopped having fun. He says a bush animal barbecue ought to liven things up. And yep. all of the topiary animals panic and everyone starts running away. Okay, but they don't just panic. They panic in a horribly lifelike way. They stampede. They, they stampede with terror on their massive planty faces as they start to burn. And I was deeply not okay with it. I didn't like it. It wasn't the most upsetting thing in the film, but it was upsetting. Indeed. I couldn't even see who it was, but some of the ducks are riding around on this giant snapdragon lip plant flower thing. Like a horse, like it's a horse or a bull or something. Our little fairy child, Webby, uh, remembers that she has a spell to make snow. And so she casts it and everything turns to snow and ice, which I wasn't prepared for because the synopsis just says, she uses a spell to make it snow and that puts out the fire, which I mean, technically, I guess that is what happened. But what happens is everything turns to winter. We're now in the frozen kingdom. Which means I think, I think that this might be the origin story for the White Witch from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Just throwing that out there. So they get to the castle and the frog prince is super excited. He opens his mailbox after having been away for one day and all of these letters fall out and they're all bills and he invites them to his humble home but as soon as they close the door the lights are out and then there's all this clacking and they turn on the lights and they're surrounded by the wicked stepbrothers who are all wearing knights outfits with weapons and the bebop one goes boo boo baloop you're gonna be a shish kebab i'm so proud of you for writing those lines down because my brain could <laughs> not process those syllables no matter what and then 
Scrooge decides that the way out of this is by bluffing, and he he just regales them with how wonderful his magic frog is, and that he makes you impervious to harm if you rub his head, and he also grants wishes, especially selfish ones. So the brothers round up on the frog and start bopping him on the head with fists. That made me feel really bad for him. Although he seems to be happy about it. The frog seems to be enjoying the attention, like, oh, shucks, fellas. It's a little strange. I got three of their four wishes. I got one of them wishes to be a good dancer. One of them wishes to be taller. The stepfather just wants to rule the earth. And, and rather the than- last one wants to grill the frog. Oh, I'm so glad I missed that. I would not have been able to focus. Wow. I guess I just have to move on from that. Yep. Wants to eat the sentient frogman who is magic. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. So Webby tries to save the day again, and she tries mm-hmm. to turn the brothers into frogs, specifically bullfrogs. But what she actually achieves is that they're the size and shape of bulls, but they have frog features, and they're brown, but kind of outlined in green, especially at their feet and lips. It is a minotaur. She's made minotaurs. But like frog-themed. But with frogs instead of people. If frog minotaurs. Um, they're horrifying they are i think this is where our actual notes truly devolved at least in the chat because again dear listener i knew that this was going to happen the the synopsis says she tries to turn them into bullfrogs but instead turns them into bulls with frog-like features so i knew that this was going to happen i didn't I, i was surprised i don't think you were any more surprised than I was somehow even though I knew this was coming oh no I firmly believe that there's nothing anyone can do to prepare themselves for what it looks like yeah so we were we were both in the same place emotionally Mm -hmm. though not physically nope so we cut to the tower now thank god we get to leave that scene and Goldie has rescued herself because she took karate she kicks the door down she kicks how she rescues herself she's amazing in a very Mae West just What's a girl gotta do to get a man? It's just, she's a hoot. I don't know. Does she see Scrooge at this point or does she just see that someone's there to rescue her? She hears a ruckus coming down the hall is I think what happens. And she realizes that Scrooge is there to rescue her. Ah, so she recaptures herself to give him a sense of accomplishment, I guess. The whole horde of everybody stampedes through the door of her tower prison cell just stampedes through and then proceeds to have a chase scene up a spiral staircase she's kind of salty about this because they didn't even notice her everybody falls off the tower in different groups but the ducks catch themselves on the gutters and the bullfrogs fall into the moat and at this point, I hope they drown. I have in my notes that they drown. We later find out that they didn't. Which is unfortunate. I wanted them to drown. The drain then falls off the tower, but no worries. It's now a slide. And it slides directly into Goldie's room. Not room? It's not directly into her room. It's just into a room. And they hear from the distance, help, oh, help. Ain't somebody gonna rescue me. 
Okay, good. And then they go into the next room over and she goes, well, it's about time. Now, where's the duck of my dreams? But Scrooge has seen himself in a mirror and he thinks that he would be an embarrassment to any princess, any duck even, because he's now back in his raggedy clothes. So he vanishes into hyperspace. He's just gone. She goes, you don't have to play hard to get with me, honey. And then is outside the tower and Webby sort of secretly puts the gold hat on a statue where Goldie can find it. And if none of this makes sense to you, that's okay. It didn't make sense for us in context either. Yeah. The point is that Goldie is given the golden hat and told by Webby that only her true love can wear it. Which is helpful. Which is helpful. And then we cut to Goldie in a tent and there is a massive line of citizenry of various types of species. It's all the boys, all the gentlemen in her kingdom, and they've all taken a number and gotten in line. It's all very organized. It is. It is. And they're all trying on the hat one by one by coming to her in organized fashion, which I I really appreciate it. I appreciated that. I like that she was there. I like that it was organized. I loved what happened when they put the hat on. Talon, do you want to talk about what happens when people put the hat on? The golden top hat is very much like the sorting hat in Harry Potter in that it seems to actively decide and react to people as they put it on. So the first guy comes over and he's kind of like a tough guy and he's like, I'll make this top hat fit. And he puts it on his head and it bounces off his head and on his head and off his head and just kind of punches him down into the ground. by bouncing it bounces a different guy into a tree the hat actively attacks the wearer which i really appreciated i would like to see that in all cinderella's moving forward where if you try the shoe on and it's not yours it grows teeth and starts to chew on your foot that's horrifying it's already a glass slipper i think it already attacks people's feet that's fair i want it to be more aggressive i do like that it's low-key punishing people for pretending to be someone they're not I like that too. I also like that it, there's a reason that it would only work for one person and not for everybody else. We do get a cute moment where the last guy in the line tries to hat on and it didn't fit, but it turns out that he thought he was waiting in line to see a movie because he's got popcorn. So he's not mad that the hat doesn't fit him. Although I imagine he's mad because he's surely missed his movie by now. That was a weird moment. Just out of nowhere. So the whole line has gone through and still no Scrooge. So Goldie goes, time to take my act on the road and just goes out looking for Mr. Right. Hollering, just hollering, <laughs> Mr. Right. A less organized approach. I, I thought, I, I think she could have done a, sec, uh, a better job with, you know, plan B. Plan A was nice. Plan B didn't have to be throw everything to the wind and hope for the best. But at least she had a plan B. She just got up and started walking. That's something. I appreciated it. So she sees Scrooge and recognizes him immediately. That was nice. Which was nice. And she proposes to him and she puts the hat on his head and he's back into gold now. And we are rejoined by the Beagles. Who are now Beagles again. Yeah, they're, they're back to being themselves. It's because they found, quote, an ugly princess who kissed anyone on the first date. 
And now they need to leave town before she catches up to them, which was gross. It was gross and I hated it. So they kidnap Scrooge. They throw a bag over him and he goes, no, no, no. And then he wakes up with the covers over his head and feathers flying everywhere. And he's told that he's having a bad dream, but his pulse is back to normal. His breathing is good. His temperature is good. And his servants are there checking on him and they're telling him, please don't be mad at us, sir. We were only doing your duty. And instead of scolding him, like you think he's about to do, he goes, you're the best servants I've ever had. And I should tell you so more often. And he hugs his nephews and thanks them and apologizes for not being that easy to be around when he's sick and just expresses like love and gratitude for the people in his life that take care of him. And he announces that he's going to take them to the finest hamburger stand in Duckburg. And the kids ask if they can order fries. And he says, you can even order hamburgers. Then there's a portrait of Goldie the duck, who I guess is a duck he knows in real life and has a history with. It's a little figurine. It's not a portrait. It's a little... Oh, I'm sorry. It's a little figurine on his nightstand. And he goes over to it and says, I guess it didn't work out. Magic like that is only in fairy tales. He said, I guess it didn't work out this time either, old girl. Oh. Right? Okay, that changes this. The mm, that, Okay. I think they might be like divorced or exes or something. I'm very into this. I, I'm torn between wanting to watch more DuckTales to see if this makes sense. If there's like an overarching plot, like a meta plot. Well, this is episode like 47 or something insane. Yeah, I don't have that kind of patience, so I will not be doing that. But he gives, he kisses his finger and then taps it on the little figurine. And then a gold hat appears next to the figurine on the dressing table. And we're done. The end. The end. It just hits you like a face full of wet fish. I, I don't. So, Yeah. I guess, Talon, did you have highs and lows? I did. Okay. What are they? So my high is that scene where the brothers have just kidnapped Scrooge and they're driving away. It was like moonlit and beautiful. And I liked that they had fireflies. And it was just kind of like a weirdly romantic looking scene in something I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Uh, My low is definitely the way that they ended the dream sequence. It didn't feel like there was a resolution. It felt like something else was about to happen because the the Wicked Stepbrothers showed up and it felt just very like abrupt and sudden when it ended. And I would have rather that Scrooge had gone for a kiss or something and then he fell face first into a pillow. I would have liked the sense of resolution. Yeah, the tonal shift there right at the end was extreme. How about you? What are your highs and lows? I liked the scene that you like where uh, Goldie has been kidnapped, but not the pretty scene with the fireflies. I mean, that Mm -hmm. was cool and all. I like the scene where she's just in the carriage, just haranguing them and insulting them. One of my aspirations is that should I ever be kidnapped, I hope that I am so obnoxious that I get returned. (laughs) That's one of my goals. So I I love that scene. I thought that was genuinely clever, genuinely funny. 
I was a big fan of Goldie. I really liked her. My low, I really didn't like the scene where the topiary animals catch fire. I found that scene very disturbing, but I don't think it's my low. I think my low is, again, the same as yours, but slightly different. The lip flower. The lip flower. No, the, the, I think my low is the same scene as yours, but for different reasons. It's when the pig dog brothers show back up, but it's because they were kissed by an ugly princess who would kiss anyone on the first date and now they have to flee from her. I hated that. They did so well this whole movie with mm-hmm. Webby being useful or semi-useful and with Goldie being very active in her own story, very not passive. And um, having a personality. Having a personality, a weird personality, but a personality. And all of a sudden we get this horrific nonsense line. I I really hated that part. It's like swing shift Cinderella. Yeah, it was going fine, and then out of nowhere, just this clunker of a dud of a line that just ruins everything. Yeah, I mean, want to be clear, it's not like it was going super well before then. The going was rocky, but that really just tanked it for me. At that point, I was kind of done. So. What would you change about this movie? One thing. I would change the dream sequence ending. I wouldn't have the brothers show up again. When she asks him to get married and he says yes, I would have him like, like I said, lean in for a kiss and then like would that motion wake up? Yeah, or lean in for a hug and it translate, trans, transitions to him hugging a pillow. Yeah, exactly. Yes, there's a better way to end that. There was no reason to end on that no, we don't get a happily ever after note. I also really didn't like the sad tonal turn at the end with a little figurine. That oh, also, I like that. I was fascinated by that. I would consider that a second tie-in to uh, a Russian Cinderella. So we got the floaty Russian Cinderella tie-in. Mm-hmm. And there is a Cinderella that we haven't watched yet. It's a Soviet Cinderella where it does not end happily ever after. She does not get with her prince because it's Soviet Russia and uh, you work forever. And so for all that it was Scottish and ducks, I, it had a very Russian feel to me <laughs> for reasons that I cannot properly explain, but this, this felt weirdly Russian. I would get rid of the whole frog thing. I hated that there was a frog. It was kind of wild that they included a second prince who was yeah. just extra. Just an extra prince, an extra frog prince. Why? Just don't ask questions. Although, although flip it around the other way, and it would have been a second girl helping out Cinderella, you'd watch that, wouldn't you? Okay, if there had been a fighting Amazonian princess that was also helping out Cinderella, I would have enjoyed that. But if you continue in that flip, it means that they would have thrown her to the wolves of these four awful men folks to pat on the head and request wishes from, which I would have hated even more. Okay, yes. So, no, I don't think we needed that whole character, that whole thing. They could have just gone to a castle and had trouble getting into the castle because castles are built to be not super easy to get into. 
So I don't know why we had to have a topiary maze, topiary animals fleeing in panic, a giant Seymour lip dragon flower monstrosity horse thing, and a frog prince. I, I don't think we needed that whole subplot. It could have just not been animated. Yeah, I agree. Or they could have found the prince like in the cellar on their way out. And, and he released him. Yes, that would have been acceptable too, although still weird. But it would have been better. I think they just needed a castle so they could put Princess Goldie in a tower. Yeah. Did they feel that they had to explain the castle by also having a prince? That 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 if they had a castle without a prince, that that would strain credulity. Yes, I literally I think that's what happened. Or they needed to write that extra character in because he's also like a fan favorite and he needs to appear in the thing. Mm, that might be the case. I like that his name was Lilypad. That was cute. That was cute. Okay, you know what I hated? The servant's relationship with Scrooge where they were very emotionally invested in his well-being and he treated them poorly. I don't like that trope. I think that is the entire premise of the DuckTales franchise. I believe so. Scrooge McDuck is evil and every episode you think that he has learned his lesson about either being stingy or being kind or you know any reasonable human decency behavior but then the next episode happens and we are exactly right back where we started. There are there's no growth. I hate that. In a larger arc. Listeners if I am wrong about that uh feel free to tell us because again I have not watched DuckTales before, and that leads into our next question of Talon. Do you think that you will be watching this again? My husband has expressed interest in potentially seeing this one when I read half of the summary to him. By the time I got to the end of the half that I was reading, he was out. If he agrees to watch it with me, I will watch it again. I will never willingly watch this again by myself, nor for anybody other than the man I love. That's very fair. How about you? Would you ever watch this again? I will never watch this again. This is not the kind of zany that I feel that my husband would enjoy. He enjoys a different brand of uh, bonkers. If he would like to watch this by himself, he is welcome to do so because he is a big boy. But I will never be watching this again for any reason. Do you think our listeners should watch this? I don't know what you would get out of it, but if you have like a deep curiosity, that can't be quenched by this episode and you feel like a morbid fascination I guess you could I guess it wouldn't hurt you too badly I guess if you have deep nostalgic ties to DuckTales from childhood or you you think that we have hidden scenes from you that make this whole thing make sense then yeah sure if that is your situation my dude by all means watch Scroogerello I will say that it wasn't like a horrible watching experience because things happened quickly. The the pacing was good. The animation itself was good, especially for a TV show. Yeah, I, I agree. I did not have a lot of problems with this one that I normally have with animated movies. It just wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. Uh, I didn't care for it. It definitely hit the Cinderella beats, although it hit a bunch of other beats too. But I think you can safely say that this qualifies as a traditional Cinderella. Yes. So what final grade would you give this? I really hesitate to call this a movie. Episode? 
episode. Yeah, sure. What what final grade would you bestow upon this episode? I'm going to go with a C plus. I think this was solid. I think they had some jokes that landed. I didn't enjoy watching it, but it wasn't horrible and it's not going to give me nightmares. Yeah, a C plus. How about you? Yeah, I'm I'm having a hard time pinning it down, largely because as I try to think back, my brain is just deleting it as fast as possible. So for that reason, I think I'm going to give it a C minus. It is a Cinderella. Congratulations. It did hit yes. you all the appropriate Cinderella things. And the, the framing device wasn't bad as a Cinderella fever dream. That's fine. It, it was That's- definitely a Cinderella fever dream. They got it exactly right. That's what yep. it was. Yep. So that was fine. Actually, looking at it as through the lens of literally a fever dream I think a lot of it becomes more forgivable in universe not in my universe my universe I do not find this forgivable so um yeah c minus too much of it was weird and extra and did not need to be there and too much of it was just gross either visually or contextually. And it didn't have enough high moments to really salvage the extremely rocky parts. If the car had crashed into a lake of milk, (laughs) I'd give it a C. For me, it never reached the height of the intro. The intro was as happy as I got. And then we started the actual cartoon and I was like, eh. I was so disappointed because I normally either can't find a synopsis or the synopsis is reasonably brief or just very straightforward. This is a straightforward Cinderella movie. Nothing weird happens. But I read the synopsis on this and it was so weird that I thought that by reading it, I would have a better handle on the show. And I think I was mad at the movie the whole time that I had to experience reading the synopsis and it still didn't help with the stupid movie. <laughs> I, I, that felt unfair to me. That, that felt needlessly cruel. Well, it's almost midnight, so thanks for joining us. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you. So follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbidi-bobbidi bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more adult beverages and the Ever After Party, please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. Still live. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching Sepia Cinderella from 1947. This is another musical. So Uh, you're welcome. Quick synopsis. A struggling songwriter abandons his girlfriend for a flashy woman after landing a hit. So I think I'm going to hate this. Okay. Well, until then, we hope you have a happily ever after.